Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. For God is our refuge and strength, a prayer of very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. For as the Father has mercy upon his children, so the Lord has mercy upon those who fear him. And as a mother comforts her child, so the Lord will comfort you. I am the resurrection and the life, says the Lord. Those who believe in me, though they were dead, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. With this great assurance, let us stand and begin our worship by singing hymn number 525, Here I Am, Lord.
You may be seated. Let us pray. Eternal God, your love for us is everlasting, and you alone can turn the shadow of death into the brightness of the morning light. Help us then in this hour to turn to you with believing hearts, and in the stillness of this hour, speak to us of eternal things, so that hearing the promises of Scripture, we may have hope and be lifted above our darkness and distress into the light and peace of your presence. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. We are gathered here this morning for many different reasons. We are here, first of all, to express our sorrow. We are gathered together, and one whom we have all loved together is not here, and we feel his absence. And so we are here to express our sorrow over Alan's sudden departure. We're also here to receive comfort. We are gathered together with the people of God, with family, with friends, with all who shared a love of Alan. And we receive comfort from one another. And we receive comfort from the Holy Spirit who dwells with us and com comes alongside of us and walks with us even as we walk through the valley of the shadow. We're also here to give thanks. We are here to give thanks because God is a good God and God has given us every good and precious gift. And we are thankful this day for the gift of Alan Rada and for his presence in our lives, for his presence in our congregation, for his presence all the way throughout his life with so many people that he walked alongside of and all the different roles that he played in this life. So we're here to give thanks because God is a gracious God and we thank him for what he has done for us through this good man. And then perhaps mostly we are here because we are here to rejoice. We rejoice because the promise of the gospel is that life does not end with death, that in Jesus Christ we are assured of life everlasting, and we rejoice today as we did so often with our brother in the good news of the resurrection, convicted of that faith, convicted of that knowledge, to know that our dear friend has gone past his weakness in this world and has found his strength in communion with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we rejoice this day in that good news. The night when Alan entered into hospice care at the hospice home, I was able to visit with him and he was intermittently awake and having difficulty speaking. And after sharing with him many of the well wishes here from our COP family, I thought maybe the words of the familiar 23rd Psalm might be of comfort. And I began to recite them, these sacred words, and sure enough, it was with full voice, strong voice, that our dear brother uh, joined me as we recited together that ancient, ancient prayer and we rejoice in that assurance that he had in that great prayer of David. So with that in mind, I'd like to invite Shannon McDougall to come forward to read for us the 23rd Psalm in a newer version that is found inside your bulletin. Psalm 23 from the New Living Translation. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. 
Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. The Gospel according to John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but give him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies us, who is to condemn. It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us, who will separate us from the love of God, of Christ. Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors, through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this. For these words are trustworthy and true. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Julie and Brian, Alan's children, are going to share with us some remembrances of this dear man. Julie. Thank you all first for being here. I know that there were many that wanted to be that couldn't. And I know there are many that are watching on the live stream. And your presence here is encouraging and comforting. Because Alan Rada was my dad, I was surrounded by music, all types, and often at a very high volume. Did you know that my dad could play the piano? He didn't do it very often, but he would pound away with his flat-fingered style 
some boogie-woogie-ish or jazzy sort of tune. When he was young, his parents put him in piano lessons, and he would find a way, he played by ear, so he found a way to trick his piano teacher into playing the piece that she wanted him to learn, and then he could play it back, making it look like he was reading the music when he wasn't. I don't think those lessons lasted long. Because Alan Rada was my dad, my life was filled with reading and studying and learning and teaching. When I was young, I'd go to bed on Saturday nights with my hair in those hard plastic rollers, and he would be sitting at the dining room or kitchen table wearing those horn-rimmed glasses that I loved so much on him, and he would be typing away, filling our home with the sounds of a manual typewriter, um, finishing the preparations for his Sunday sermons. I tried to Dewey Decimal his library multiple times with a label maker. I saw my first real hippies when I went to visit him at UC Berkeley, where he was finishing up his studies for his PhD. I tagged along with him when I was young to Northwest Nazarene University, where he was providing a series of guest lectures on the Pauline epistles. It was so boring. But we drove back to Portland with a trunk full of Verner's ginger ale, which was a favorite of his, which we couldn't get in, in Oregon. Because my dad was Alan Rada, there were sweets in the house, always. My dad had a raging sweet tooth, and he passed it along to me. His mom laughed about how when he was really little, he was too young to read, he would walk down to the 31 Flavors ice cream shop and they would groan when they saw him coming. Well, what can I get you today, Alan? Well, he'd say, what do you got? So they would have to name every single of the 31 flavors. <laughs> and afterwards, every single time, he would spend a little bit of time thinking about it and say, I think I'll have strawberry. <laughs> Because Alan Rada was my dad, I got to travel and eat some great food. Unfortunately, I was food adventure averse until I was an adult. So I accompanied my dad my senior year in high school on a business trip to Europe. And much to my foodie father's chagrin, I learned how to order soup, bread, and Coke in three different languages. One time when I was in college, dad took me out to dinner because we needed to have a serious talk. Honey, I think your boyfriend, Shannon, is a really great guy. I just don't know that he's the right guy for you. Well, by this time, I'd been dating this really great guy, Shannon, for about three years, and I was pretty convinced he was the right guy for me, maybe. But I wanted to know more. So I said, well, Dad, what kind of guy do you feel is right for me? And I kid you not, in all seriousness, he had no idea he was doing this. He proceeded to describe in great detail himself. <laughs> because my dad was Alan Rada, I frequently came home from school to see a new car in the garage. He loved cars, but he was not known for his driving skills. When those of us who had driven with him before loudly called the back seat, leaving the coveted front seat to someone else. We were not being unselfish. We were being mean. <laughs> because Alan Rada was my dad, the church was my second home. Over the years, I learned that God left me. I learned I could never be good enough to earn God's forgiveness or a ticket to heaven. So Jesus earned God's forgiveness for me, and he gave me a ticket to heaven. If introducing me to Jesus was the only thing my dad had ever done, I would be eternally grateful. But he did so much more. He gave me music, a love of learning, ice cream, trips to Hawaii, Rada tacos, a 1976 sapphire blue Mustang, and much, much more. I enjoyed a lot of things here on earth with my dad, 
And there's going to come a day in God's perfect timing when we're back together again, enjoying a lot more things in heaven. This past week, my sister picked me up at the airport in Sarasota, and she took me right to the hospice center. Because of COVID, uh, the hospice center was only allowing two people in the room at any particular time, so my sister waited in the car while I joined Judy at my dad's side. It was a beautiful room. Judy had some lovely, soft music playing on the television. In a quiet moment with my dad, I believe that Judy had received a phone call. The screen flashed with this quote while a song was playing. It was a quote from Oliver Wendell Holmes, and it said, man's mind once stretched by a new idea never gains the original dimensions. And as I sat in the quiet with my dad, that quote just really washed over me because it was very emblematic of my father. Perhaps you've had a similar experience as me where time and time again, my dad could stretch you and you'd never quite be the same. As my sister so beautifully communicated. My dad was a complex, large living individual. Like each of us in this room, he had beautiful gifts and talents. Like each of us in this room, he had some unique flaws. Like each of us in this room, he needed forgiveness. And like each of us, can have in this room. He sought the redemptive salvation and mercy of his Savior. I share many of my sister's memories with, of my dad. The quirky, creative, and loving life that was Ellen Rada. To my personal delight, I hold the high honor as his son of being present for my dad's most embarrassing moment in life. And although I would honestly relish to share that hilarious story with you, as well as many memories of tender moments of reconciliation and connection, that's not what I'm about today. What I would like to share with you is my thoughts on his last 10 years here in Florida. I have a very distinct memory of visiting from Colorado and hopping into my dad's car with my brother-in-law. And uh, if you have not had the pleasure of driving with my dad, he was always the commensurate pastor, which means that one would oftentimes feel closer to God after being in the car with him. <laughs> While at the restaurant buying enough food to feed an army, my dad was greeted by one of our church members here. She was so happy to see him. He had visited her husband in the hospital and had also uh, been teaching a class that they had been attending. She told us that her husband was busy paying for the food and would be so disappointed in missing Dr. Rada. Well, we uh, picked up the pizza and we hopped back in the car and the obligatory and ever-present dessert. We'd hardly backed the car out of the parking space when a gentleman making his best attempt at running hoofed it across the parking lot and flagged us down. We got back out of the car and he proceeded to greet my dad and then zeroed in on me to tell me how much my dad meant to him. How he had been so blessed to have my dad as one of his pastors. It was the following Sunday when I was sitting in the balcony just up there here at Church in the Palms. And I participated as dad was leading a congregational prayer. 
It was a moment of intense connection for me as I began to see and realize this, this beautiful moment of my dad is finishing well. I had a front row seat to uh, Judy and dad's transition to Florida, and especially my dad's transition back into service and ministry and connection. During this time, here with you all, I saw three very distinct gifts grow and flourish in my dad. In his own unique heart and faith, my dad's finishing well version was to be of service, to lean into humility, and to never stop growing. My dad's first and his last vocation was pastor. Growing up as a pastor's kid, I remember all of the various responsibilities and roles that he carried, and the older that I got, the more I realized what a heavy load it was to carry all of that. It was so powerful to see my dad, now in his mid-70s, returning to pastoral care, especially since visitation was the more challenging aspect for him as a younger pastor. In the life before COVID, I had the opportunity to get to do a ride along with my dad as he visited some people in the hospital. I witnessed my dad in his gentleness and his grace as he cared for and he prayed with people who suffered and were in pain. It was a beautiful time to see that my dad had been called by God and he was leaning into that life of service and care. In the past 10 years, I've also seen my dad lean into humility. Life has a way of placing limitations on each of us and reminding us of the challenges that we have caused. It was particularly when his voice began to falter that I saw one of his greatest struggles the thought of not being able to pastor was scary to him. Yet as we talked about it, I saw time and time again how he would lean into God's grace and God's sovereignty. One of the best gifts that I have from my dad was that later in life, we became book buddies. For years, we would select different authors to read and discuss together over Sunday afternoon chats. Together, we explored spiritual growth, social justice, politics, and leadership. All I ever had to do to learn and expand my perspective was to simply ask a question. And I would be invited into a world of deep thought, curiosity, and mutual respect. He never stopped learning. He never stopped growing. While here in Florida, hanging out with my dad, I began to reread one of our favorite books that I think we discussed more than any other. It was Barking to the Choir by Father Greg Boyle. Recently, Father Greg tweeted, healing is messy and human and it's gut-wrenching and it's hilarious. There is no precise science. As my dad was finishing well, he modeled for me the gifts of service and humility and growth. But for my dad, it really came down to a journey of healing with Jesus. It was messy. It was sometimes gut-wrenching. And especially with my dad, it was always hilarious. I truly believe that one of his deepest desires was to somehow be a conduit and inspiration towards the journey of healing for each of us. He's leaving us a little bit different, and we're not ever able to quite regain our original dimensions. And that, for my dad, was truly finishing well.
God who saves me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. For the Lord is my stronghold and my sure defense, and he will be my savior. Therefore you shall draw water with rejoicing from the springs of salvation, and on that day you shall say, Give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Surely it is God who saves me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. For the Lord is my stronghold and my sure defense, and he will be my savior. that they remember that his name is exalted. Sing the praises of the Lord, for he has done great things, and this is known in all the world. Surely it is God who saves me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. For the Lord is my stronghold and my sure defense, and he will be my savior. And he will be my savior. Some would call it fortune, others would call it providence, that Alan and Judy Rada, out of all the places they could have lived in Sarasota, decided to buy a house on Suffolk Road, three blocks away from Church of the Palms. I'm not sure it was anything more than proximity that brought Alan and Judy to our pews one Sunday back in 2012 or so. Alan, as many of you know, was a Nazarene pastor for many years, the son of a Nazarene pastor. Nazarenes and Presbyterians don't have a whole lot in common, except that they both try to follow Jesus, which is probably more than enough. He and Judy had a wonderful season as well at the Falls Church in Virginia, where Alan was quickly welcomed into their leadership circles. What a surprise. His time with those Episcopalians bridged the gap, I think, to us Presbyterians. It only took a brief exchange with Alan after church to convince me that I had to have lunch with this man, which we did, first of dozens, most of them at the Madfish Grill. Alan, as many of us know, was a bit of a foodie, and I can imagine he tired of my Madfish rut but he endured because those are just the little things and Alan didn't sweat the little things. A simple lunch with Alan made me realize that if there was any way to include this kind, gentle, caring man in our ministry, it would be sure worth trying. Our two wonderful visitation pastors were preparing to retire and though Alan's experience and gifts for ministry would have suited him more for my job, I wasn't ready to give that up. So he graciously accepted the invitation to be our visitation pastor. By God's spirit, I believe it turned out to be a hand and glove thing. Because of course, Alan was more than just a visitation pastor, at least in the traditional understanding of that role. Alan didn't just visit the sick, the hospitalized, and the homebound, which he did so well. He was sort of the visitation pastor for us all. He certainly was that for our staff, his walk down the hall, his deep-voiced hello, and his winsome smile brought a sense of peace and well-being to our staff, and I know as well to many of you. 
He so ably shepherded our global partners team over the last several years and with great wisdom and patience guided them in their support of partners around the world. Alan got his doctorate in organizational psychology, which probably should be a requirement for anybody who wants to be a pastor. So suffice it to say that a good many of those madfish lunches were all about me drawing upon the wisdom of this really smart, loving, faithful disciple who knew a little bit about organizational life and especially the church. He listened patiently to me, as I know he did to so many of you, as I poured out what was most recently on my mind. It's always good to have someone who's walked a bit in your shoes and has such wise, wise advice to share. Alan, as many of you know, was a coach, mostly for big companies and governments, but let's face it, he was our coach too. Whether it was an unexpected diagnosis, a move to a nursing home, a marital conflict, a loss of a spouse, a bad day, or a hard choice. Our dear brother, in the power of the Spirit, listened and coached us along, encouraged us, prayed for us, and assured us always of God's presence in the midst of the storm. Alan loved the church, and I think he was glad to come full circle and serve back in parish ministry again. He and Judy were a wonderful pair and welcomed so many of us into their lives. He loved his family, boasted often of Julie and Brian and the gang, loved to tell stories about his grandkids as every proud grandfather would. So life has its ironies and one for Alan is that as big as his heart was for all of us, the heart that was for him had its weakness. Nevertheless, he was bound and determined not to let that hold him back. There was no doubt in his mind that his most recent cardiac episode was just a little speed bump and that he'd be back and ready to go. So bound and determined was he that a couple months ago he reported for duty on Sunday morning, huffing and puffing and not looking very good, yet insisting that he thought he could do it. And I was surprised, yet grateful, that he agreed that going home and taking care of himself was probably the right thing to do. His heart was strong for us, stronger for us than his heart was for him. Nevertheless, during that same visit, when we recited that 23rd Psalm together that I mentioned a while ago, just after he moved to Hospice House, Afterwards, I prayed with him, and when I was done, my dear brother, our dear brother, insisted on praying himself, as he did. Sometimes visitation pastors just can't help themselves. He had a hard time speaking, so at the end, as he thought about his life, he just said, thank you, thank you, thank you. So today, one who presided over scores and scores of services like these is the one whose life we celebrate. And we celebrate, don't we, a life so graciously lived, a ministry so faithfully performed, a heart so widely given, and a faith so strongly held. One who fought the good fight, finished the course, and kept the faith. The one who knew about whom he believed the one who is now a witness to the resurrection and has heard the master say, well done, good and faithful servant. Praise God from whom and to whom all blessings flow. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let us pray. Loving and eternal God, we bless your name for the revelation of yourself and of your love in our Lord Jesus Christ and for the hope set before us in the gospel. We thank you that deep in the human heart is an unquenchable trust that life does not end with death, that the Father who made us will care for us beyond the bound of vision even as he cares for us here on this earth. We praise your name for the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, which is the source of our hope, not only today, but in all days. 
We pray for the comfort of your presence and the ministry of your Holy Spirit. Renew within us the gifts of faith, patience, and enduring love. And as we step out upon the world, may we sense that though we have lost one whom we have loved to death, we have not lost you. And that as you have received this, our brother, your child, Alan, so too will you receive us. In the name of Christ, we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
After the benediction, we will be escorting the Rada family out the door and over to the campus center for a time of reception where you'll have the chance to greet Judy and family. And we look forward to that fellowship together. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore, world without end and life without end. Amen. Mm -hmm.